Off a high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores. J.D. Page. Boy, Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low, Hornung, dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10, here's Van Pelt. He's at the five, touchdown Colorado State. The DNVR Rams podcast is presented by Bojo's Pizza. Bojo's Pizza, Colorado's original mountain pie. Right now, Bojo's is offering 30% off takeout when you ask for it. What a steal. All you got to do is call them up, take advantage of that order. If you can't get pickup, that's fine. They also deliver using Grubhub. Just hop online and use Grubhub, and there's usually uh, offers on there, different specials, stuff like that. So make sure that you check it out. Got to do what we can to support these local businesses. It's obviously tough for so many of them. Saw some pretty pretty sobering numbers on Twitter today. It was pretty it's pretty scary, you know, just the economic impact of this whole situation. So we got to do what we can to help out our partners, and supporting our partners is a way of supporting us. So if you're on the fence, if you're in Fort Collins, if you're in Denver, you're in Idaho Springs, you're anywhere near a Bojo's, take advantage, get some delicious locally sourced pizza what up what up what up y'all we are back we are back with another episode of the dnvr rams podcast if you've been paying attention i actually am now part of the dnvr college podcast as well this is with hank from the dnvr buffs beat just a little way for us to stay connected and and kind of bounce things off of each other it's it's pretty tough to host a solo podcast right now guys it's it's just different, you know, <laughs> not as much to ramble about at the moment. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I can. I'm, I'm just trying to get creative. This weekend, we are going to do the 2002 Rocky Mountain Showdown for the DNVR Watches. The infamous head spike game, y'all. You got to get pumped. You got to get psyched. And I actually talk about this uh, on today's interview with Eric Weedham of D-Line. He is part of, uh, you know, one half of D-Line, but they design all of our t-shirts. It's it's just so dope, the the things that they come up with. It, it honestly amazes me how creative, well, really everyone on the DNVR staff is, but Eric in particular, he's just a really cool dude. <laughs> first time I ever even hang, hung out with him at the office, he, he bought me lunch, like literally the first time I ever met him in person. Dude bought me lunch. So that's all you need to know about Eric. He is a great dude, and it was a great interview. Just had a chance to kind of talk with him one about what the industry has evolved like, you know, as a creative in the technology age, but also just his life growing up in Fort Collins. You know, he's a Fort Collins resident originally, now lives in Denver. Uh, just a cool dude, though. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. It was a, it was a lively one. We just we had some fun, and it really showed. So we are going to get to that in just a second. But I did have some brief CSU news to go over uh, before we jump into that. Trey Sutton. Linebacker did not receive any playing time last year. Actually, could not verify it online, which was weird, but I believe he was injured for all of last season. Uh, he was, you know, number two on the depth chart and middle linebacker going into the year, so it wouldn't have really made sense otherwise. Trey posted on Twitter that he will graduate and he will play his final two years of eligibility elsewhere. Uh, best of luck to him. Obviously, it'll be. I'll be interested to see where he goes. I mean, as a grad transfer, you have a lot more flexibility because you can go play immediately no matter where you go. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended up going, you know, somewhere closer to home. Uh, Originally, the number 33 prospect out of the city of Miami. I was a three-star recruit, so I'm sure he'll have plenty of suitors, plenty of options. Like I said, he was number two on the depth chart in spring ball last year. And then, you know, some things just, they don't work out. You know, maybe he decided he didn't want to, you know, be with this new coaching staff. Maybe he just wants to go home there. Who knows? I mean, you've, you've been out of school four years. You earn a degree. That's a long time. It's, it's not shocking that he might want to just move on and, you know, explore the world a little bit. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Best of luck to Trey, though. Uh, you know, doesn't really impact the team, like I said, didn't play all last year. I, I don't really think he would have played a ton next year. But depth is depth, and he did play. 
and you know losing an, an experienced guy that's there's always value in just having players that have actual live game experience even if they're not going to actually play a ton of snaps just having those guys in roster on your roster and you know kind of like a, a reserve i guess if you will but you know it is what it is so good luck trey we wish you well here let's get to that interview with eric of the d-line All right, joining me this afternoon, we've got a special guest, a Ram for Life, That's Eric right. Weedham, better known as D Line on Twitter, his alternate persona. Eric, my man, how's it going? Going well. I would say that that's actually my true persona, my my Twitter persona. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> you, do you? What, are you to the point where you just introduce yourself as D Line now? No, absolutely not. And in fact, uh, people refer to me as D Line all the time, and it's awkward every time because I'm not. Um, I'm 41 years old, and I'm not really in a place to start uh, to adopt a nickname at this stage of my life. But <laughs> <laughs> so, and I also feel weird that there's a, a really popular radio personality in town named D Mac, and and I'm D Line, and. Um, Makes me feel weird. So, you know, whatever though. <laughs> How did you come up with the D line? What was the what was the inspiration behind that? So, uh, you've met Blaze, right? My business partner. My, my yeah. Okay. So he and I were trying to. So I used to just make these shirts for fun, uh, and then he and I came together to make a company D line. Uh, and when we were trying to figure out what to call it, we wanted it to be sports based, obviously. Uh, so that's the one meaning defensive line. It makes you think of sports, uh, but it also stands for D Denver, the Denver line, and then Co is company or Colorado. So the Denver line, Colorado, and it's also the D line is the. Um, the light rail that takes you down to like the stadium district. In- See, that's what, that was kind of my guess was that that would be the inspiration behind it. But it's all three. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, three. That's cool. Look at that. Denver at its core. I, I dig it. Yeah. But, you know, before you, you moved down to Denver, when did you move down to Denver, by the way? Uh, I've lived in Denver now. So I, I went, um, I grew up in Fort Collins. That's what I was trying to get to, but. I grew up before college. Well, so I'll, I'll, so I I have lived in Denver now for um, God, what is what year is it? Twenty twenty. <laughs> I guess, man. Who knows? I Times are relevant. For, I know. I think I've been here for fifteen years, sixteen years. So you're pretty much like a Denverite at this point, which would, is like, it's the super lamest term ever, by the way. Like, I, I just don't like it. I don't even know why my problem is with it. It just, I, I, it's a weird, uh, Denverite, yeah. it sounds a little uppity. It sounds like uh, supremacist or something. Like, <laughs> I'm a Denverite. Like, I don't interact alt, with Colorado Springs or something. Yeah, you're alt Denverite. <laughs> yeah, Definitely uh, not. Let's, let's not even put that out there. Well, it's better than, Col- do you feel, prefer being referred to as a Colorado? <sighs> now i didn't used to bother me but i now that i'm in fort collins that's the newspaper so it just seems weird to me <laughs> I don't, it just neither one of those flow off the tongue very well colorado in colorado in denverite well, it's, it's definitely not a colorado it's a colorado in uh denverite but what's a fort a fort collins in I don't even know what you call. I don't even. Is there one? Foco. I mean, you would know more than me. I've lived here, and I don't know. That's just it. I grew up there my whole life. I never thought to refer to myself as anything other than just a Colorado. I guess um, Fort Collins didn't really have uh, the. I don't know. It didn't have the gravity to get its own like (laughs) moniker. I guess I don't know. (laughs) Was it? Did people reference it as Foco when you were growing up? Oh yeah, Foco. Foco Fort Fun. Absolutely. I wondered if that was like something that kind of got adopted by like frat kids over the years, or if that was something that actually was like started by locals. Uh, uh, yeah, it was started by local. I mean, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, Foco. I mean, for a two word na- uh, two word city name, it gets it gets tiresome. You gotta you gotta shorten that. <laughs> you gotta That's be a good able point. to. <laughs> so it's been. Did you, when you moved to Denver, did you move from Fort Collins to Denver? No. So I, I went, so I grew up in Fort Collins, as we mentioned. I went to Bennett Elementary. I, Bennett Elementary, then went to Blevins Junior High, then went to Rocky Mountain High School. Then I went to Colorado State University, which is across the street from Bennett Elementary. <laughs> so I. <laughs> and Rocky Mountain's just like right down the road too. Sure is. Uh, yeah, so I lived it's all very, within like a mile and a half of each other. So I, I lived a very expansive, uh, I, 
childhood where I, my eyes were open to a lot of different things uh, that all happened within a one mile radius. No, What's funny so, is that was the same deal for me just in Lakewood. Like my elementary school was a mile from my house. My middle school was two miles from my house and my high school was three quarters of a mile from my house. Well, see, all of that, it makes sense because you could assign to a school based on the prox- your proximity to it, but it doesn't generally then jump into college. That, that, that's, that's a good usually, point. It's a lot <laughs> that's usually when that, that you break the cycle, but not me. I do- dove it even harder um, because my mother taught at CSU and um, CSU had the superior art department um, of the schools. Like my parents both went to CU. So I, I had it on the table. I could go to any of the any of those schools, and I, I had my choice of both CU and CSU. Um, but I went to CSU because it better art department and um, you know the warm embrace of the comforting blanket of being across the street from my elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, that part sucked. But I had a lot of friends that went there also. Um, so graduated in two thousand and then moved to Boston. And then lived there for four years. And then from Boston, I went straight to Denver. And I've been here ever since. Very nice. Boston's one of those places I would, I would like to visit, but I don't know if I would like it as a, as a place to live. But it I also awesome. used to want to live in New York City, and now that sounds terrible to me, so I don't know. It was awesome. I loved living in Boston. It was like... Um, because like that city just does not care about you at all, like even a little bit. And it's really good to be foisted into a situation where you really just have to fight. You just have to sink or swim. And like I graduated in the year 2000, as I mentioned, and that's right when the internet bubble popped or burst. Uh, and so there were no jobs in my industry in graphic design, like absolutely nothing. There was just nothing to be found. So I had to just, I walked the streets. I moved there without a job. I walked the streets of Boston. I went to every single place I could and like put a resume in everybody's hand and shook hands and took absolutely any job that I could find, which took me to really weird places. Like I, I was a, uh, <laughs> I was a photographer for, an I like a school ID maker that we would travel up and down the Eastern seaboard and go to these like unbelievably exclusive posh boarding schools that like John Kerry went to and like <laughs> East coast. Like, elite. Absolutely. And we would show up, we would, you know, we would just show up for the day and like take digital pictures and print out their, um, ID cards, but like every day we, every time we would show up at one of these schools, um, we would look at the database and just check out, like, to see if there were like any famous names. Mm. <laughs> and we ran, like, we'd come across like certain fields where like the surname was His Majesty. Stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, smile, three, wait for three seconds. Let me take your picture, His Majesty. <laughs> good so times. good, good to have a job, but like, as a guy that's a creative, somebody that loves to do something that's you know original and unique was i got to imagine that was kind of a a weird situation for you is that something that you enjoyed doing at all um no of course not i mean like i i was um i just didn't want to assume that's what i mean like i already got off on the wrong foot about hip-hop before (laughs) this podcast so no i mean it was just uh you know when you're when you're young in any field you just have to really prove to the universe that you want to do it especially in a field like this um where a lot of people want, like they supposedly want to be designers and want to be part of it, but like they're not willing to work for it, to, to sacrifice, to get into it. And so I took every job that I could that was a night job um, so that I could spend all day looking for work and then, or do work for free or whatever. And then I work at a grocery store, I would work at a movie theater just to be able to continue to, to survive. But um I mean, I, you know, I didn't like any of it, but it just, it made me stronger and it made me uh, more resolute that this is what I wanted to do with my life. I mean, I can definitely, definitely connect with that. Um, I mean, my path to this point was weird. I don't really need to get down that again, but you know, I, I did the whole freelancing while also working as a bartender slash wedding caterer slash baseball umpire and yes absolutely it makes makes you appreciate it for sure but also it just gives you that perspective of you know like i'm willing to work really hard in in writing and what i'm willing to do because one those other jobs suck (laughs) terrible (laughs) you just you have to be willing to like put in those hours i I remember you know when i would be at the collegian people come in and they would just be amazed at like how many hours you actually had to put in if you wanted to be the lead football guy 
And yes. Yes, man. It's not like just show up when you want and all of a sudden you're going to get hired by ESPN, you know, when we graduate. And so many people would just quit after like six months because for sure. know, I don't, yeah, don't want to cover softball. I don't want to cover tennis. Well, I, I didn't really either, man, but I did it for yeah. two years. Yeah. You, you find out really quick, like what people who actually really, really want to do something like it, it really separates itself quickly when yeah you're, you're forced to make actual life sacrifices to continue the dream and keep it going so yeah to an extent i mean not that i don't want to get too personal with people but i mean it's kind of like what we're going with at dnvr right now like it's weird times we've all had to yeah you know pivot and yes kind of reflect on what matters to us moving forward and, and maybe, apparently maybe it's well, going to be tough but yeah, and apparently, apparently, what's important to us is uh, love is blind. Oh um, my god! I'm so glad that series is, dude. I like The Bachelor even, and I hate that show. What? Really? Uh, I can't stand The Bachelor. I can't stand Love Is Blind either. It's not about the show. It's like basically um, watching Mystery Science Three Th- Theater Three Thousand, <laughs> where you just uh, watch something ridiculous and you just fire off joke after joke after joke. That's the whole point. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's had to. But like, The Bachelor is like. One, it's trashier for sure. So I think I think it's Which just is trashier. Like the Bachelor is, I think. But oh, so you 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 want it to be? It's not trashy enough for you. Love is blind. That's your problem. Well, if if I'm going to be entertained <laughs> by it, yeah. <laughs> See, I like that. It's like a complete, uh, like, it's like a. If you took a reality show and you deconstructed it, like it starts off with a host, and it seems like it's going to be that thing where there's like all of these. I don't know, things that they do and they have to show up. But they, the host was there for like a minute and then he was just never there again. <laughs> and I then, wonder how much Nick Lachey made for that. Like, uh, it had to be pretty decent, but also probably not like the best because he, he had to have been like the, you know, the Netflix Kroger option of a celebrity. Like, we oh, need somebody recognizable, but <laughs> yeah. we don't want to spend a ton of money on this because we don't know how it's going to go. We don't know anything. I, I just wonder, um, but I, I, I like that about it. I like that it's just like, then, then you just don't really know what's going on. Like you just follow the drama that these people create for themselves. And, um, and when I say I like it, I mean, obviously I don't like it, but I find it uh, very joke worthy, which is all I'm looking for out of this. That's, that's definitely fair. <laughs> I guess like, I don't go into these shows thinking like, I hope so-and-so finds the love of their life and we get to watch this journey. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I hope somebody accidentally says something offensive in front of their parents and it blows up in their face. Like, I, That's kind of what happened. I don't know. We got yeah. that a little bit. <laughs> I'm a single guy. I don't need to be reminded that other people are out falling in love. I don't want to watch that on TV. Well, that's what TV is. That's the basis of TV. So maybe you should just stop watching television. That's true. I mean, I normally watch basketball Sports. and I can't yeah. normally dunk. So, But uh, getting back on track here, I, with, uh, the, I wanted to ask you just kind of about Fort Collins in general as somebody that's, that grew up here. I mean, I've lived here for about uh, six years now, which is crazy. But the, the amount of growth that I've seen in Fort Collins just in six years is insane. I mean, especially around campus, which is to be expected, but I got to imagine it's, it's even wilder if you look at it from a perspective of 25, 30 years. Dude, I, <laughs> in my um, speech class that I took, uh, we had to get deliver a speech. I talked about Fort Collins and I talked about at that time in the year 1998, or 99 or whatever. I, I did a speech about how Fort Collins was growing really fast back then. <laughs> like, and I was talking about like how Prospect Road used to be a two lane road after a certain point. It got like really dicey. And, um, and then after I was done giving my speech, like everybody from out of town was like, yeah, it's still a really small town. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. All right. But so now it's like, now it's, it's, you can't even, I mean, it's just, there's almost no connection to the, to the town that I grew up in, the small city that I grew up in, um, which is good and bad. And, um, but you know, at, at, at its heart, like Fort Collins to me is still old town and 
you know, the campus and um, every time I go there, there's new restaurants, but that, that was always the case. Like there's just, Fort Collins loves a restaurant. So. Oh, totally. I, was, I don't know if it's still the case, but I remember back on like my freshman tour, that was one of their selling points was literally like, we have more places to eat per capita than anywhere in the country. Yeah, yeah, totally. I've heard that too. I don't even know if that's true or not. I don't either. I think it's one of those where they're like, try and back it up, verify it. That seems like a pain in the ass. <laughs> and it seems like they'd have like more types of restaurants if that was the case also. Just like we just like have a bunch of Applebee's down there basically. <laughs> I know. So it's like, yeah. we have Applebee's and Chili's actually, but. I, I used to, man, it, it cracks me up when I talk to people um, and, and remember back to when I was a teenager and think about how like as teens we'd be like hey let's all go to Chili's we would all go and like oh dude I did that in high school even like it's just like you order your choices when you're not 21 it's like we can go to the mall we could go to Chili's or like a Starbucks I was a theater kid so we all went to Starbucks all the time and now I'm just like I wish I could bully my 17 year old self like just show up and back in time and like go start crap with myself like you were such a dweeb you think you look so cool right now in your glasses uh, and scarf and crap. Wait, did you think you were operating under the assumption that glasses and scarf are what made a guy cool? <laughs> no, I just said glasses. I mean, glasses were for vision. Scarf, sure. maybe. Scarf. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm familiar with glasses. Just so we <laughs> I do like my glasses, though. I'm one of those guys. I think I look better with my glasses than without because I look younger with. I mean, I just look young even with glasses, but without them, I look even younger. <laughs> so you just want you want to be aged through your your eyewear. Okay, that's that's fine. I I I don't know if that makes you cool, but I can appreciate that. Dude, well, I mean, I've never been cool. That's the point. <laughs> I want to go back and bully myself because I thought I was cool. It, or or into being cool, maybe you could give give your your former self a few tips. Although it sounds like maybe you still don't have a, a full stranglehold on it, so maybe maybe you can get an outside opinion <laughs> on this. <laughs> I mean, I, I I put I put dumb things on the internet for a living and talk about basketball. <laughs> so I'm cool in some circles, just not the ones that attract you know like women or money. Or those kind of things. <laughs> yeah, those are the the actual cool circles. No, I get, it. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm curious what's your what's your favorite like OG Fort Collins spot? I mean you brought up Old Town obviously, but like if you were coming up to Fort Collins and you had a day there like what are some some things you would have to hit up? Uh who so my spot in college we we would always go to Washington's the Wash Bar. Is that open again? Yes, it is. It they is. They do they do like concerts and stuff. Um it's all right. I mean that was the spot. They had college night on Thursdays. We would I think go I saw week. Lil John at Washington's when I was like 19. Really? They get really weird ones. Walk a Flock of Flame played a show there once. <laughs> Seems about right. Yeah. Uh, well, when I was, you know, when I was going, yeah, we, like I said, it was college night every Thursday. So it was like a nickel for every drop of alcohol that they had in the place. And so it would just be full, full, full of people. And I worked at a movie theater uh, when I all throughout my schooling. And so I would get off work late on Thursday because I'd have to build the movies getting ready for preview or the debuts on Friday. So after I was done building them, then I would go over to Washington's and everybody else had already been there for hours. So it was just sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would go downstairs and I would immediately order like two to three raspberry kamikazes and then um, gotta catch up. I would, yeah, I would do my absolute best to catch up. And I, I got to say, I usually did a pretty good job. I would catch up pretty <laughs> admirably almost every time. <laughs> and then um, the best part about Washington's is that in the basement, it has that, like all those paintings around the wall. For people who have not been to Washington's, please, 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 please do yourself a favor and go to Washington's. It's like one of those old buildings that was part of um, Fort Collins history. I'm sure it had some sort of military purpose or maybe they built wagon wheels there. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> then it turned into like one of those eclectic bars where they just put stuff all over the wall everywhere. Like you could literally just hang a, a, a wagon wheel. You could hang a, a, an animal head. You could hang anything you find that has. It's kind of like a, it's like a wild, wild west version of like cheesecake factory in the sense that <laughs> they were just like, yeah, let's put some of this up there and some it, of that up no there. Plan. No plan. I love it. And it has, um, so it's a big three-story building or yeah, if you include the basement as a story, which you shouldn't because that's incorrect. But it has a basement. You go into the basement and there's paintings all over the wall of like 
women and it's like kind of like a little naughty and the best part about it is that there's one part of the painting where there's a lady that's standing backwards and they saw fit to make her butt out of plaster and make it 3d <laughs> so it's like the only it's the only part that's protruding from the wall it's a 3d butt and it, it was just, you know, every time I see it, it takes me home again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. I'm pretty sure now, uh, I can't remember if it was Washington's or not, but I think it was Washington's that used to do like tricycle races. Literally, that sounds right. Like people would get drunk and they would like spin them around and then they would have them do like tricycle races around. And I'm sure you won like free drinks or something. But. Oh, no, I shut up late. I'm t- oh, oh, not me. The one who wins. Yeah, I'm sure there had to be some sort of incentive. But yeah, uh, it was great. And then every week there would be like the same like three or four like weird older people that would come to college night. And we had nicknames for all of them. There was the retching woman that would be in the middle of the dance floor. She did this like horrible dance that made it look as though she was retching, which is how she got the name. And then there was like this old guy. So we, we, every week we'd see the same, same cast of characters at, at old Washington's. And we, then we'd all meet up at the 3d butt and uh, get raspberry kamikazes and we'd call it a life. The crew, man. What a, what a Miley <laughs> crew you had going there. <laughs> so yeah, but where do I go? I always go down to, and now I can't even remember the name. Uh, I always go to old town. What is the, uh, Cooper Smith's Cooper Smith's Cooper Smith is tight. Good spot. We used to always go to old Chicago. That's not really a, a place. It closed. I, uh, that kills me. That kills me. That was our other spot we'd hit all the time. They had that $2 pizzas, uh, late night, personal pizzas. I've actually heard that from a lot of people that, uh, because my dad went to CSU in the like early 90s. Um, and it was, this, it was kind of the same deal. It was like every, people would go to old Chicago because they would have killer, you know, prices. You get some pizzas, the greatest, cheap beers. Unbelievable. <laughs> yes, those are my spots. Basically, we basically just went between those two spots every single time we went out. <laughs> Man, RIP old Chicago. But oh. I can pump that uh, people can get some pickup at Bojo's. Bojo's still going, still thriving. Shout out to Bojo's. I already did that read, but that's okay. Still going to p- pump them out anyways. <laughs> Let's go, Bojo's. Hey, we're company love, men. I, and Bojo's it, is tight. Like, it's so good. I love Bojo's. I, I absolutely love Bojo's. Yeah, all these East Coast haters out there that want thin sliced pizza, get out of here. <laughs> Beat it! Y'all Andrew. only eat one piece of pizza anyways, so I don't want to take any notes from rookies. Eat a pizza <laughs> or don't. <laughs> Out here eating pizza by the slice, like self control. What is that? Unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Quick break to acknowledge our sponsors over at Breckenridge Brewery. We got to do what we can to help the farmhouse keep kicking during these weird times. If you order your meal or beer from the farmhouse, use the code DNVR, save $5 off your meal. Nice. Got to love a little discount. Call 303-803-1380 from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. for a pickup order. They'll even bring it right to your car. You don't even have to get out of your car. Man, they are speaking my language now. If you can't hit up the farmhouse and you want to order some beer, use the Drizzly app for delivery. The 15-can sampler is your best bet for variety. Mix it up a little bit. You know, get some Colorado Core, Hot Peak IPA, Vanilla Porter, uh, Avalanche Ale, just so many Breckenridge classics. I'm one of those guys where when I get beer, I I prefer to do the samples. I love whenever you have the option to like build your own six pack. So the 15 can sampler, definitely perfect. Shout out to Breck. So I gotta I gotta ask you, you know, we've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but obviously technology has probably like really changed the way you work as an artist one. I mean, you see everybody draw on tablets and stuff like that. Do you, is it for the better or for the worse? Um, in a lot of ways, I mean, it's obviously uh, democratized uh, graphic design because when I was going to school, like we had to literally paint the letters like we paint and even this was archaic back then but they just wanted us to really understand what it was all about like if you wanted to be in graphic design you had to craft every single part i mean you would paint you would 
make the letters, you would tape them onto a page, you would tape all this stuff together, and then you would make it uh, what was called camera ready. You would then take a picture of this thing that you'd created, and then you'd, it was like a whole thing. So um, the work and the things you can do and the creativity is no longer bound by um, the confines of and the constraints of <clears throat> what it is that you know you can do with a brush and some ink. So it's much better that way. There's a lot of people that now uh, are involved in design that don't have the eye for it, but they have the computer to do it. So you see just a lot of like really, really atrocious stuff out there, which, you know, for the most part, it doesn't matter, but it's a little obnoxious uh, for somebody who actually cares about the art. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I, I, it's better. I mean, obviously it's better. It's like you can make better stuff. You can, um, you have the, like you're saying, like I can work from home all the time. I've had the flexibility to sort of send things off. You can work in real time. Um, so I, I certainly am not a person that like pines for the old ways of doing things. Um, but you know, I think there are some parallels with that, with writing in particular, I think technology in general has made it way easier for, for audio purposes, obviously. But I think there was, you know, especially like five, six years ago and we weren't quite so sure what all of these different types of blogs were going to be. You'd kind of had this, you know, elitist attitude about, journalism and, and what it was supposed to be. And like, you know, you had to, there was a process you were supposed to have to go through um, in order to to have a space to put your work out there. And part of me is like, well, one, we know all the flaws with that process. Um, so it's probably better that people have the access. But then part of me also is like, there are a lot of imp- important things you learn through that process as somebody that like actually had to take those you know, journalism ethics courses and, and stuff totally. like that. So, you know, I go back and forth on it, but, but generally speaking, I think technology is probably doing oh, great things for, especially okay. for people like us as creatives. Of course. And just not having to sort of uh, have an arbiter of what is and what isn't like, you don't have to go through people all the time to decide whether or not you're allowed to say things or storylines are allowed to be out or you know you there's something really nice about uh tearing down the idea that you know the 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 uh what's his name the ales what is his name from the fox guy uh oh um oh my goodness i can picture his face something ales yeah. whatever anyway that he's not the one that's deciding what everybody is hearing and what stories exist for sure so it's it's nice from that standpoint. It's, but then you get a, like a bunch of like amateurs that make a bunch of garbage. But it's it's nice too. Then when you are a professional working in the same um, sort of universe as just everybody else, like it allows you to then even rise higher uh, from the fray and do it in a way that's not just like people are supposed to listen to you because you are in this place. Like you actually just have to make good stuff and people can respond to it. So there, there's something nice about that. Definitely. I mean and. Also, with with so much out there, like, I think a lot of us have, have, I mean, you and I are different than like the average consumer of media, obviously working behind the scenes and understanding how some of this stuff, you know, comes to be. But the work, the work speaks for itself. So like, I, I don't care if a bunch of amateurs have platforms, one, because they're getting better. The only way to get better is to go out and do it. Totally. You know, I started out writing for the Broncos wire, which is actually a pretty massive Broncos blog now, but I was like one of the original writers and I go back and I read my stuff and Oh God, I cringe, man. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. But like, that's how I got started. And like without oh. that, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hate on people, but, but I do have a point to all this. Um, it's not just to talk about the industry. It's for nostalgic purposes. Um, you know, we're, I think what's cool about our friendship in particular is, you know, we have a lot in common, but because we're from, you know, different generations, we obviously have different worldviews. We've experienced things differently. What are you nostalgic for in terms of the 90s, 2000s? Like technology is better for art, but, you know, what are some things that have, have, are not necessarily better? Um, for me, it's music. And, and although streaming is is great that we have access to everything and it's, allowed me to, you know, find artists that I would have never found otherwise. I just miss something about like going to a record store and like, I mean, I had CDs obviously, but like wax tracks in Denver. I remember going there with my aunt and uncle growing up and just being like in awe of this dope spot with all of these CDs. 
Yes. Um, yes, there is an absolute beauty to the record store. Like there's an absolute beauty to the culture that comes out of that. There's something really amazing about being a person that cares enough about their music to um, want to seek it and find it and learn and not just be given music from the radio. And like there's that, that like quest uh, is so satisfying and just like having all this knowledge. Although I will say like, I have a, I have a closet full of CDs that I don't know what, like I can't possibly give, I, I couldn't possibly like get myself to get rid of them. Like I just spent way too long and way too much money compiling this, this collection of CDs. So I don't like physical objects anymore. I'm, I'm like, I'm post physical object. I don't, I don't like books anymore. I don't like CDs. I don't oh, like man, records. Dude, I'm the complete opposite. And it's a problem because I have too much crap in my house. Like my whole yeah. life, I've always been that guy, like sports memorabilia. Yeah. Finally now, like, God, dude, I used to keep like stadium giveaway crap. Like yeah, it was yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember at one point my dad, I was probably in like the sixth or seventh grade. And I was like old enough at that point to where like he was trying to like get real with me. But I mean, I was still young, obviously. So it's not like, but he was basically just like, man, like, better figure this out man because you're not gonna get a girlfriend if you keep all this crap i was like what turns out he was right turns out he was right <laughs> sorry dad should have heeded that knowledge yeah um so yeah i don't know just moving across country several times with books and cds i'm like i don't know and there's something nice about just like opening spotify i mean the problem with spotify is that like you're talking about uh there's lots of holes from the nineties and the two thousands of like stuff. Like I have a bunch of CDs that I could not obviously find on Spotify. Mm -hmm. So that's cool, but um, it'll get there once they fill it in. I mean, Spotify is well to an extent, some of it has to do with like record labels and, Mm -hmm. and music rights and stuff like that. And of course it all, some of that, like you can't just get around like (laughs) completely off topic, but Garth Brooks, for instance, you can't stream Garth Brooks music still in 2020. Anywhere, anywhere because he's against it. Because he's against it. So he owns his he owns his masters and he's just like, I'm not putting them on streaming services. And country music fans are some of the only people that like actually pay for music. So they'll they'll still buy his CDs. Well, there you go. Way to go, Garth. <laughs> <laughs> but they're just like, I don't know, it's interesting. Like I've been on Spotify since I think 2011. So I've I've been on it forever. But just to see like how it's grown has has been interesting. It's I like that I can see what my friends are listening to. I like, you know, Discover Weekly and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm just kind of nostalgic for like the boombox era. That's the other thing. I have a boombox that I got when I was six years old. I still have it. That thing sounds so clean. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. It's all about the boombox. I wish I could carry one around like a cool guy in the 80s. Or 70s? No. Uh, no, that was 80s. 80s, 80s. Is the 80s, 90s. That was the, the, the ghetto blaster times. Absolutely. Did people actually do that, though? Or is that just like a movie yeah. thing? No, they did. I mean, so there's a lot of like, did, did people do things in Fort Collins? And did people do things? That's and a good point. Yeah. Those two things are not <laughs> generally the same answer. <laughs> did they do it in Fort Collins? Not really. Did they do it? Uh, yes, they did. <laughs> so you didn't walk around Old Town just bumping a tribe called Twest? Or no, quest. I, no, I, um, I did. I drove my Mercury Tracer hatchback around Fort Collins with a DOS FX sticker on the back, a Farside sticker on the back, a Boot Camp Click sticker on the back, and I would be playing some really loud Tribe Called Quest or Twibe Called Quest, either yeah. one of the two. And uh, but not not up to my head. I, I was I was anti walking, so that. <laughs> <laughs> not, that hasn't changed either. Now you're a scooter guy. I'm a, dude, I'm not, I'm not a scooter guy. I'm the scooter guy. <laughs> That's true. You are the scooter guy. I came out in the group chat one time uh, against scooters and got absolutely ratioed by everyone on the staff. Oh, so. As well you should have. As well you, you're st- That's like a straight-up Garth Brooks stance. Like, <laughs> the anti-scooter is like full Brooksian. Here's the thing. I just don't like that people leave them everywhere. And I know you have your own scooter, so it's like a different deal. And I don't even have a con or an issue with the concept of the the rental scooters. I think it's cool. Like I remember when Denver introduced the bikes like ten years ago, mm-hmm. that you at least had to take the bike back to a station. 
Yeah, that's what sucks about those bikes. So here's what you need to do. Like, if you want to change your opinion on scooters forever, all you need to do is download the app. Once you download the app, every scooter that you encounter from that point forward in your life ceases to be uh, an obstruction or debris and immediately turns into an opportunity. <laughs> and as soon as you see a scooter, you're like, hell yeah, versus like, oh, what's this clutter? You're like, oh, we're done walking. Let's go. Let's hop on. I don't know, man. I got big I feet too. I'm size 11. It's got to be I'm a pretty big you, scooter. This is like one of these things like you fight it and then later on you look back and you just think, what a fool was I? Oh, what a fool was I? Well, maybe that'll be my next purchase because I'm definitely not going to be able to get a new car anytime in the next oh, decade. If you're thinking about buying a scooter, like a purchase, well, yeah, dude, I, I, I'm, all, I, I'm all about this scooter life. I really don't know how long, uh, I mean, things are a little bit more spaced out in Fort Collins, so there's a chance it wouldn't be as useful to you as it is to me, but um, I live my entire life within like a one mile radius as I did as I was, when I was a child, I, I, maybe there's a, <laughs> maybe I'm just scared of big things like the world. Um, <laughs> but so I, you know, I just, I hop on my scooter. I go to my Starbucks every day. I get an iced coffee. This is my former life. Obviously I don't do this now. Then I, I have, I have the optional carrying case that I purchased um, with a 20% off code that I got for buying the scooter for pre pre-purchasing it. And uh, iced coffee fits right in there. Zip it up, scoot on home, <laughs> and then I and then I very consciously enjoy my coffee with uh, through a metal straw that I wash every day. You know what's funny is like your life sounds pretty great to me, but like if I I could say everything that you do in the morning as like a sarcastic bit to like my conservative relatives in Kansas, and they'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I love that my life is a sarcastic bit to your uh, Kansas relatives. <laughs> well, I mean, so is mine. Literally, they're like, you know, when are you going to get a real job? And I was like, dude, once I started getting paid to tweet, it was over. If you think You're I'm like, going to go stand and like <laughs> interact with people in the real world now, you are out of your mind. Also, like what constitutes a real job? Dude, is they're just like, getting paid for You would something? think. Well, I mean, I'm, that's kind of complicated because like well, no, nah, I'm not even going to go down that line. That's <laughs> to go like get into prostitution and stuff. That's a real job. It it's is. Like, no, it is. But I was like, I, I just don't want to get into the <laughs> philosophical debate about whether sex work is work or not. Yeah, that was that, a pretty my big audience leap you is, made. is not yeah. looking. It's pretty pretty big one. leap you made. <laughs> we went from tweeting to the sex industry in in zero sentences. Congratulations. Well, I mean, I'm a I'm a very liberal college student, so. <laughs> Got to show how woke I am at all times. It's pretty woke. It's absolutely. That's <laughs> pretty woke indeed. <laughs> oh man. Um, but you didn't, I, di I didn't actually let you answer the question. I kind of answered the question for you. What are, what are you nostalgic for? If anything, maybe, maybe it's nothing. And, um, may, and I, I know that's kind of putting you on the spot. What, what do you, no, no, about no. 20 years I, you ago? well, I'm, I'm currently nostalgic for going outside. I miss that quite a bit. Like we used to do in the nineties and the two thousands all the time. Um, I am nostalgic for the, and maybe just because I was young, but just the simplicity that we lived life by in Fort Collins. Maybe, I mean, maybe Fort Collins was the Shire and we just weren't aware of larger issues that were going on in the world. But um, I don't feel like I would, we were just, everyone was arguing about politics all the time <laughs> in, in that age, in that era. Um, I feel like we spent a lot more time just like, uh, you know, like playing baseball and, <laughs> running around the good old like, days yeah right drinking water from the garden hose <laughs> absolutely i mean i totally had that i had like a really amazing childhood in fort collins fort collins is like the greatest place to be if you're a kid absolutely like without question it's like so safe and like so green and so open and everything's based on soccer games and like everything's you know sort of like revolves around like Concerts down at the lagoon at the at CSU and uh, dude, I'm, there's there's supposed to be the lagoon summer series. It's like a yeah, thing they do, and totally. I actually I used to have to film it back when I was a student, so I didn't enjoy it as much because it was a lot of lugging equipment across yeah. that entire campus. And because we were <laughs> the JTC department, they, as we were like, "Hey, can we rent like a truck or something?" They're like, "No, you can carry it." Like, <laughs> I realize these are like five hundred pounds worth of equipment. They're like, they're like "We sure do." Off you go. <laughs> it was good. I needed, I needed the exercise, but I think it's just weird, man. Like with times right now, like I don't know if we're going to have a taste of Fort Collins. Like I kind of doubt it. It's supposed to be doubt in June. It. I was looking forward to that. 
was looking forward to the taste of Fort Collins. I forgot about New West Fest. Yes. And they actually like sometimes like you never know what's going to happen. A couple of years ago, Smash Mouth tried to fight the entire town of Fort Collins. <laughs> I love it. Hey, man, you're an all star. Come on. <laughs> that had to be like the most rant. I mean, aside from Balloon Boy, which obviously also shout out we to got, Fort Collins, but got a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> just the yeah. weird things that happen here. Yeah. Fort Collins, uh, trying to think like we had no nothing of notoriety when I was the entire time I grew up. Like the one time uh, Rush Limbaugh showed up to Dan's bake. Uh, what was it called? Dan's bake sale. He likes this guy set up a big bake sale and, and Rush Limbaugh showed up to it. And it was like a whole big to do. That was like the biggest thing I'm at that I could uh, remember ever happening in Fort Collins the entire time I grew up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the worst thing in the world though. Yeah, like I agree. Said, it was just like a, you know, a quaint like little place to yeah. live. Totally. Now it's kind of going to be like Boulder 2.0. Well, kind of. I mean, it's, it's, it's more like going to just be a, um, just like a Denver suburb. Like the, the parts of the, that are going into Fort Collins are like totally uninteresting. That's the problem. Like they're not building like interesting things or bringing like interesting things to the city. It's just like a bunch more sprawl and a bunch more like, well, it's a lot of like Highlands Ranch type, like housing yeah, developments exactly, where exactly, you exactly. build 600 of the exact same house. And Yes. I mean, Fort Collins has kind of always been that way, but um, I just wish that they would build cool things at Fort Collins. Like Old Town Fort Collins is very cool. It's just and unique. Then, like there aren't a lot yeah. of, I mean, there's Pearl Street, obviously in Boulder, which is a completely different vibe, but it's that still that same, like, I don't like town type feel. It doesn't feel like a city. It's, it's not 16th Street on Denver. No, huh? But it's also not like walking, you know, down Estes Park or something like that. It's kind yeah, of a it's, hybrid of the two. Yeah, and it feels, I mean, it feels like um, genuine. It's not like, uh, you know, it wasn't just like drop down. I mean, you could tell like this used to be something and still is. It like really is the heart of the city. If even though Fort Collins like doesn't necessarily have a heart, but like if it did, that that's what it would be. <laughs> Would you ever move back to Fort Collins? No, no, definitely not. Why? Definitely not. Uh, for, because of all of those reasons we just mentioned about it being quaint and there not being like a lot of interesting things going on. I think a lot would have to change in my life to be able to, for me to move back to Fort Collins. Like I, like when I go back, every time I go back there, first off, it's like I have a chore that I have to accomplish. Like I have to <laughs> clean something out or move something or, um, you know, and I, I don't know anybody that still lives there. I don't think that grew up in Fort Collins. Like none of my friends still live there. Um, I think a couple, maybe a couple people have moved back here and there, but I, without, a, without like a couple kids, there would be no, there would be absolutely no reason for me to move there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Indeed. Um, probably wrap it up here. Cause we've been talking for a while, but I did want <laughs> to ask you, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up, the late nineties and, and CSU football, Hughes yes. stadium, that whole That's deal. what I miss. That's what I miss. I miss CSU being a powerhouse football team. That's what I miss. Like, I hate that we're, that like, we're now just like floundering out there. Like we do okay, but it, like no one takes us seriously anymore. Like we were ranked all the time when I was in school, like all the time. It was amazing. It's just, it's hard because there, trust me, you are not in the minority when it comes to this feeling, especially with CSU fans that have actually been around long enough to remember that. I mean, it's for people like me, I caught the very, very tail end of it. Like Bradley Van Pelt is kind of my, was my first favorite college football player. So nope. kind of like 2002 is about the first, I was seven then. So that was kind of like the first season that I can really like actually remember a little bit. Yeah. Like yeah I remember yeah. watching with my dad, but I mean, for the most part, like I grew up watching CSU be a three and nine team. Yep. I watched a legend in Sonny Lubick get canned and it be a very big deal. Like the way that whole thing got handled. Then I saw Steve Fairchild come in. He was a dud. Yep. McElwain was exciting. I worked for him, but he even was that great. was different because then I was yep. like, I'm like, screw the guy. Cause he left and I worked for him, but it's years later. I feel differently now because without him the on campus stadium doesn't come totally. And and then Bobo, of course, obviously just didn't really pan out. Well, I feel bad for Bobo. Like I, I feel like he if he hadn't had whatever happened to his foot, 
happen, like when it he happened, just, I, was, I feel like that was it, everything sort of spiraled out of control from that point. Like when his health started to falter, um, like you can't recover from that. That's like when the Nuggets had George Carl, they were made it to the Western Conference final, finals. George Carl gets cancer and then the team just falls apart the next year. Um, there's something to that. Like, and so Bobo just, I don't know. I, I feel like he had laid the foundation for, you know, CSU actually being a successful program, but then you can't have like your primary voice uh, go silent for a long time. Like he did. Yeah. That was, that was definitely a factor. I mean, he was, it was a revolving door for the assistants when he was there. And that's one of the things that a lot of people that don't like really get into college football don't understand is you're only as good as your staff. Um, for recruiting for every I mean development all of that he he probably underperformed in his first two years with experienced talent that McElwain had um and I think that was probably part of it too it just it kind of set the 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 I don't even know how what I'm trying to say it just it set the standard of mediocrity I guess like yeah you know what I mean it was just kind of like it was that was just kind of like the MO was kind of like yes there's talent there's going to be good moments, but in the big moments and in, in the moments that people really care about, they just never seem to show up time and time again. And it was, it got pretty hard there for a while for a lot of people. Totally. Yeah. No, it, uh, it's been rough times. I'm, I'm definitely like, what, how, how are you feeling about the Adazio era so early on? Well, I mean, now it's just weird because you have a first year coaching staff and they, I mean, they literally are doing Zoom meetings with their teams like you and I would be doing. So right. that's, that's concerning, but it's not unique to him. Obviously, it's, there's plenty of first-year coaches that can say that around the country right now. Uh, ultimately, you know, I think they're going to be a, be a program that's a little bit more physical. I don't think it'll be as flashy. Good. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. I, I, the, the, we've been, you know, cultivating wide receiver U for the last however many years, but I, it, it hasn't served us at all. You know, like we've had like amazing wideouts and a great passing game, but like it just hasn't served us in any way. And when we were awesome, it was like we had like, uh, oh, what was his name? Kyle Bell. Oh yeah, dude, stud. He would like just we just had like these big hulking like dopey white guys that were like amazing, and then they would pepper it in with like, uh, oh, uh, God, he, well, I, I mean, he, for a while they had Kyle Bell and Garchal Johnson in the same backfield, which yes, is a, which is a great duo. Who am I trying to think of? Uh, that was from Florida. He had the like fully gold teeth. What was his name? Running back. That might have been Gartrell, to be honest. No, unless no, you're thinking late nineties, maybe. Have to think about that because uh, that was when I was there. Golly, I, Washington. I've forgotten everything about my life. It's like, <laughs> I, like every single part is falling. Well, everybody's right brain capacity is going down with each day that we spend <laughs> playing video games and watching Love Is Blind. So <laughs> that's true. We we actually are ushering this in, but it's all right because you know you have the internet as your ancillary brain. You can always go to. Um, <laughs> but I got I got to figure this out now. Do you have while you're looking this up? Do you have any like wild Hughes Stadium memories or stories? I mean, I remember when I was a freshman, the security was so lax at Hughes, me and my roommate, we used to bring a six pack of uh, PBR tall boys into every single game. We'd just put them in our pocket. Nobody would even like pat us down or anything. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, I was trying to think of Cecil Sapp. I can't remember. I oh, cannot Cecil believe the I, Diesel, baby. I cannot believe I couldn't remember the Diesel. I hate myself. Cecil. So sorry. I know you're listening. So sorry, my man. Um, Hughes Stadium for me was when I was in um, Boy Scouts, we used to hang out in the parking lot and shoot off uh, Estes rockets. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I remember when I was a kid, I was running around not paying attention and I stepped on a packet of ketchup and I splattered it all over a guy's white um, sweater. And that was, and then I felt really bad the whole rest of the time. So that was a, that was a tough one. Um, at least you had a conscience. Yeah, it's true. I did. My dad made me apologize to him and everything. It was like a whole thing. Um, (laughs) um, and then just a lot of like me, cause I went to every game for my last two years at school. So it was a lot of me like getting off work and like showing up to the stadium wearing a tie 
and like just uh, you know like screaming. And there was always is the Chewbacca guy still in the stands? Is there still a guy holding the, a cutout of Chewbacca at every state at every game? I don't think so. Ah, but I have to, I'll, I'll, I'll have to put it out to the people. Maybe maybe he's out there. I don't want to disrespect him, and I just haven't Chewbacca. seen him. But on, at this man. point, I'm pretty sure I would know who he is because <laughs> I've, I've on, missed man. like three games in seven years. So unbelievable. So um, yeah. So I just have like an amalgamation of just like good memories around Hughes. I don't have like one thing that like really pops out as like a crazy thing that happened. Um, but I just, I mean, you know, it was awesome. Just go there and get a beer. <laughs> have you, you been get, to the new stadium yet? I've only driven by it. I need to go into the stadium. I've not... Uh, it's just different, I man. I mean, it's aesthetically pleasing. It's a very attractive stadium. Uh-huh. Um, the atmosphere, atmosphere just hasn't been there yet. And Why? Why is it? Why, what's wrong with the people of Fort Collins? Why aren't they going to these football games? Well, it's it's not unique to Fort Collins. I mean, college football across the country, attendance is declining, even at the powerhouses. But part, I just, I mean, it's it's hard to get that up for a three and nine team or a four and eight team. So the last two years that didn't help. Yeah, um, that's true. Losing to rivals constantly doesn't oh, help. So brutal. I mean, it's how do you sell the students when you know they show up? You know, you get twenty thousand students there for the Rocky Mountain Showdown, or however many it is, ten thousand students. And, you know, you see him lose five years in a row. Yeah, totally. I, it is brutal. Like, I, I, it, it's now to the point where we've lost the goddamn Rocky Mountain Showtown so many times in a row that people from CU act as though it's like an absurd notion that we, they could ever, that we would ever lose this game. Like, the, the, why should we even play this game? Why, why do we deserve, why does CSU deserve to play us? Like, man. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Like we uh, absolutely- the 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 whole complex thing is is funny. I actually talked about it with Henry once. It's it's you can kind of follow it down the line. This actually this really pissed off CU fans when I talked about it on his pod. But so if you look down the line, I, it's kind of like it's like a line of inferiority, inferiority and hate. So you you have Wyoming and there's right. the Wyoming CSU rivalry, which right. to be honest, is historical precedence. It matters a lot more. And it's a conference game. So to be honest, it actually does matter more than the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Totally. Over the last 20 years or so, um, with younger generations, it hasn't resonated the same way. But it's it's the same deal. You have CSU fans that kind of look at Wyoming like, that. you know, yeah, it's a rivalry, but, you know, we're CSU, they're Wyoming, kind of turn their nose up towards them. And then you move on down the line and it's CSU and CU and it's the same deal. And it's kind of like CSU is like, no, we're rivals. Like, this really matters. And she was like, ah, oh, like, I don't really know. And then you move on down the line from there and it's CU Nebraska. And, right. you know, Nebraska, CU's like, oh, really? And Nebraska's like, we have all this history. Like, we could care less about you. Yeah, like, totally. we care about Oklahoma. Totally. And you just keep moving on and on <laughs> and on. Meanwhile, every one of those chains cares about the other parts Absolutely. of Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just That's the whole the process is so silly. But it's obnoxious to me when the, it, it is act as they act as though it is beneath, it is beneath them to play this game. That drives me absolutely crazy. Well, especially like it'd be one thing if you know Colorado was dominating the Pac-12, was That's a perennial top got. twenty program, was, or had gone to a bowl game in any amount of time that I can remember. I, I literally cannot remember the last time they were in a bowl game, which is the lowest hurdle to clear in college football. 2016 Alamo Bowl is the only bowl game that they have been to in the last like 15 years. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. It's crazy. I mean, just the state of college football in Colorado in general, if you look at the last 20 years has been abysmal. I mean, Air Force by far is the best program and it's not even, not even close, not even a debate. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it's not, it, it, it really, it's funny too, cause they always blast everybody, but we still just don't even acknowledge them. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Air Force, they got that uh, triple option, whatever. Like and the they funny just thing about you. Air Force is every single year they'll take down two opponents that are like considered superior talent. And then they'll just, they'll lose like two or three really stupid games. Totally. If you watch <laughs> so, Air Force play CSU or CU and you're like, how does this team not win 11 games every year? Right. And then, like, you'll watch them play, like, a 500 Navy team, and they'll lose by 30. And you're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, college football makes it, like, the the just sheer number of teams in college football make it almost impossible for me to pay attention to because 
you know, like going into NFL football, like I can pay attention to all of the teams. I have a good grasp of who's on every team, who's good at what, what the identity is. Like every week, every second I turn on a college football game, I'm like, all right, who's this? Like (laughs) every, everybody, like you're talking, the entire team is different since last year when we played them. Like I, 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 I don't know. I can't, it's hard for me to develop these like hateful feelings towards the opponent when I am just learning their name for the first time, every time I watch them. <laughs> I just love college football. I don't know what it is. Like I'm the kind of guy that like, if it's Thursday, I would rather be watching some Thursday night, like Midwest college football game than the NFL Thursday night football. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I think that there's something, you know, every, it'll be, brought up every time this conversation comes up like the game of college football is just so much sloppier and more unpredictable and it's fun it's more fun that it's way just more it's more like, fun yeah it's why i mean but i'm also not the guy that's like there's some i don't make the argument that college football is better than the nfl one because it's a subjective thing yeah and i mean the product of the nfl is undeniably superior it's like the nba yeah. versus college basketball of course the best players like it, it would make sense but there, I don't know. I just, I love the chaos of it. I love yeah. that oh. you can get, you know, a Duke losing to whatever, you know, it's totally. some nobody Appalachian state taking down Michigan. Yeah. I I'm, I'm with that. Like it just, I don't know. I, I like, uh, I'm like a long form narrative guy when it comes to sports. So it bothers me when the whole team is different every time. It just, I just don't like that. Like it, it makes <laughs> me, like it just bugs me. I don't like uh, having to, to start all over all the time. I, I like. So do you hate, do you hate modern NBA free agency or like the way that the yeah, I don't like it. is? Oh, I can't stand it. It's the worst. It's the pits. I can't stand it at all. Like it, we've gotten to a point where like where, where we have, um, like the conversation about that is always like, man, you can't like, you got to think about the players, like their lives. Like they got to make these choices. They got to live in these cities. It's like. Any city is yeah. okay. If you're making a hundred million dollars. But I'm, I'm, but I'm also, but I'm, yeah, but I'm also like, but, but aren't there like millions of us? And if they, if totally. they ruin, if they ruin the storyline because it benefits <laughs> them and they already have an, an unbelievably amazing life and they're millionaires and going to be famous. Like, do, do they get to win every battle? Like, do, do we get something? Like, I don't. I think we've gone too. I think there. I think eventually they they'll find it too. But there just has to be a, a happy medium. I think because I think the player movement is exciting to some extent. Like it creates interest and in, in dramatic storylines. Like when you have Russ coming back to OKC or or something like that. But also, you know, I became an NBA fan because I got to watch Carmelo Anthony for, you know, like a decade straight with yeah, the Nuggets. Totally. Like that guy, I mean, other guys came and went, but him, Camby, Kmart, Andre Miller, like those dudes that were around for years. Like, I don't know yes. if I would have fallen in love with the team in the same way or developed that bond, like watching them lose to the Spurs in the playoffs, like three different times. Talk, talk about somebody that I've come full circle on. Dude, I hated Tim Duncan as a kid. <laughs> he just dominated the Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all about that. I'm all about like completely irrational reasons to spew hate and vitriol onto athletes that don't deserve it, but um, they do. Who cares? Like they're they're a part of. Like I don't like when athletes uh, act as though they're not just a form of entertainment. Like they act as though they are some, part of something that is higher than not only entertain, but then society at large, like they sort of do like their, their pursuits are, are more virtuous and their, their voices are more important to be heard. And it's like, can you just, (laughs) can we just, can we just create a league where the nuggets have a chance to win because people don't always get to choose where they want to go and they always wouldn't choose to come to Denver. So is that the worst thing in the world? Like, come on. Like, I just wonder if that'll still be the case, like with, with, with how we see Denver growing. I mean, obviously Denver's never going to be Los Angeles or New York city. No, but then like, what about like Minneapolis or places that'll just never, ever be cool because they're just so cold. That's a good point. Yeah. What do you do for this Minneapolis and Milwaukee? Yeah, like, and- like, are we, I just don't like the idea that we're all sort of like feeder, uh, teams we're all the washington generals to the lakers harlem globetrotters like, like what are we doing i don't want to do this <laughs> i think that's part of what makes the the current iteration of the nuggets kind of so lovable is that it's a bunch of home i mean you brought in Millsap, obviously but you know gary harris and Jokic oh, totally. and all these dudes 100% like, old, 100% they're drafted guy that's 
I was disappointed even to see, you know, like Wancho and some of these guys go just because it's like, ah, but like, those are I our know. guys. Like Those were our, I don't even want to talk about it. That's going to make me depressed. If we start talking about Wancho and Malik Beasley, oh. <laughs> Dude, Malik's going to be so good. I know. That one, I just said I didn't want to talk I about know, it. No, it's just hard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks for coming on, man. This was, this yeah, was a lot of, of fun. I, I, we kind of jumped around all over, so I'm sure the audience is going to be like, did they even have a, a plan for that podcast coming no, in? No, absolutely not. That's the, the best kind no, of podcast. We no, that's, that is the best kind of podcast. You just talk and you find what's interesting. And um, just on a final note, since this is the CSU uh, Rams podcast, the face spike was one of the best moments of my life. Uh, watching Bradley Van Pelt slam that ball into the face and the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the uh, face mask of the CU defender as he waltzed into the end zone. Oh, and we won the Rocky Mountain showdown. I was living in Boston at the time. I just went down to the uh, discount liquor store and I bought a whole bunch. Like we would always buy whatever they had that was cheap because somebody was trying to get rid of it. So I had like a whole pallet of like this weird cider. And <laughs> we were just like pounding these weird ciders sitting on a futon. <laughs> watching the ram, my my beloved Rammies from uh, uh, an entire country away cheering on oh baby I, I miss it I miss it like I, I want I want something to cheer about again it's so terrible to like meet all of these like CU people and they they just talk smack to you and you have nothing to come back with you're like yes that's true we suck we currently suck so bad I don't know what you want me to say well it's this like weird balance too because it's like it's, it's like it's annoying because, you know, CU hasn't accomplished anything, but because they are beating CSU, it's just like, you kind of just have to be like, well, we can't, I mean, you're right. Yeah, CSU is no. going to bowls and like sending guys to the league and like doing things, but until they beat you, it doesn't, uh, can't really like talk trash. Son of a bitch. <laughs> we need that. Adazio, please. I know you're listening. We need this. Bring back that intensity. Speaking of the face bike, we are re-watching the 2002 Rocky Mountain Showdown this uh, Saturday. Yes. Relive that moment, 5 p.m. I'm going to get a bunch of weird ciders. I'm going to drink those bad boys and watch You want to know I am too, just out of solidarity with Eric. We can do a Thank Zoom you. cheers that kickoff. <laughs> yeah. Everybody get weird cheap ciders. Come on. Cider Saturday. That's what we're going with. <laughs> I'm so with it. And we're going to get weird because nobody can leave their house. No, it's already weird. I spent almost all of yesterday laying on the couch. I had several things to do. I shirked every one of my responsibilities and just laid on the couch. And I wasn't even watching TV. I was laying on the couch. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard to be motivated in the oh. space where you're normally supposed to be unmotivated. Yeah, it does. I mean, it feels like a weird weekend all the time, but it's decidedly not a weekend. And we have to like do what we can to keep the uh, wheels of capitalism turning. Because you can't turn that off, unfortunately, for some reason. Um, machine. You can't turn that machine off, even though it seems like it, we should. A machine just you should turn be able to off. turn off. I think most we machines just, you can turn off. I would say, it, like, I don't know if the plan is just to make sure all of the money just goes back from the people to the banks. I think that might be the plan. Uh, but if you're not making money, but you're continuing to pay the banks the money that you already have. <laughs> Anyway, we should stop this machine. But um, <laughs> in the in the meantime, let's get weird and let's get some ciders, baby. <laughs> let's do it. We're gonna we're gonna get drunk because it's Saturday. And if you're social distancing, I mean, the one good thing about this is like you ha literally have no reason not to get drunk because you can't leave. You don't got to yeah, worry about it. You're home. Oh, it's, it's so true. Machetes at a deli in New Delhi Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly then drink it like juice The water's the truth so I sip on that too Skinny looking kid with no car keys Like the only thing I drive is RCRV's got the stash like Steve Harvey Oh I'm gnarly